Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Have a really cool episode in store today where I welcome in Dr. Aaron Ellis, who is a naturopathic medical doctor. Let me do a little table setting here on the episode. We kind of go on two fronts. One is her journey just around beating cancer and how that propelled her into what she's doing today. And then secondly, around how we can all get started just with better choices around nutrition and health and you know what we put in our bodies. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Dr. Aaron Ellis. Without further ado, let's get it started. Dr. Ellis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you. I'm excited to chat through a little bit of your journey and um, very unique too. Um, and we'll get into some of this. So I like the, you know, you kind of had found this mission. And I think what I want to start off with is, did you always always have this mission? Because if if I read correctly, you kind of wanted to do this and then sidestep for many years and then got back to it. So I guess I'll start there with this kind of mission you have. Um, has that always been there? Yes and no. Um, it was a little bit of a pivot, but I actually started out way back when I was a kid wanting to be a teacher. Then I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a trauma room surgeon. So I graduated from high school and went to the University of Arizona pre-med because there's a medical school down south because I live in Arizona and um, started out pre-med, but then quickly became sick of school. And I'm like, I do not want to be in school for another four, eight years after this with medical school, et cetera. So I left U of A and came back to Phoenix and um, finished my degree at Arizona State University with a degree in business. So I legit gave up on my doctor dreams, got a degree in business, worked in the bars and restaurants for many years and really knew that I could do and be more, but I still hadn't figured out what that was. Um, and then in 2010, 10 years ago, it's just crazy to believe, um, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. I had a tumor by my bladder and it was a, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but the type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was uh, accounted for 2% of all non-Hodgkin's lymphomas. And it was typically found in older men. So I was diagnosed at age 31, a female, totally unrelated to the, the norm of this type of cancer. And at that time, it really opened up my eyes to health and wellness and really the narrative that I had been thought I knew I wasn't really as healthy as I could be. And so going through this process, I, like I said, I learned so much about it that I want, I, I then met a naturopathic physician and I still had no idea what this type of medicine was. And when she told me what she did, I didn't want her to stop talking. I was like, what? This is so fascinating. You mean you don't have to take a pill to get better or you can really give your body what it needs to heal and you can do all this with diet, lifestyle, vitamins, supplements, you know, addressing the foundations of health and all of this. And um, come to find out there is a school 10 minutes from where I lived, a naturopathic medical school. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to take this leap of faith and go there and see what it was going to take for me to get in. Sure enough, all of my credits from University of Arizona that my pre-med my pre credits transferred. I really only needed two, two additional classes to get in. 
And I decided to go for it. And four years or two years later, I was in medical school. Four years later, I graduated as a physician. So what was the, from the time, so obviously, so I know you went over it kind of briefly, but I mean, you got diagnosed with cancer. I mean, that's obviously a big thing, right? It's like, I, I mean, how did you, I guess the big thing first is like, one, how did that process go? Like how long really was the start to finish of that? I'm sure there's, you know, that you probably still get checkups now. You didn't probably want to be safe on that, but like how, how the, the main bulk of that um, process. Right. So I started experiencing symptoms in 2009 in September. I noticed some swelling in my groin and I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep an eye on it. Well, I kept an eye on it. It wasn't getting any better. Um, I was working in the bars and restaurants, so I was on my feet a lot. And by the end of the day, like the swelling was worse. Hmm. And so I called my gynecologist because I didn't know. I'm like, well, maybe it's in that it's in that area. So I said, well, that's the first doctor I called. And so he, I went in to check on it or check up with him. And then he said, well, it looks like it's a swollen lymph node. Keep an eye on it. And I said, I've been keeping an eye on it. It's not going away. And so now we're towards like the holidays of 2009 and a busy time. And I kind of just put it off, but quickly after that, like still wasn't going away, still wasn't going away. It was getting worse. I was in a lot more pain by the end of the day. I just wanted to kind of lift my leg up, put the feet up per se, but really wanting to put the feet up, um, to make the swelling go down. And, um, I was noticing that when I was, cause it was my right leg. So even driving and like using the, I guess the leg flexors, in your leg towards your groin, like weren't really working that well. And I would have to like lift my leg. And so I called and I said, I'm not any better. What do I do now? And he referred me to an orthopedic surgeon who then said, let's do an MRI. They first thought maybe it was a hernia because I was doing a lot of heavy lifting in the restaurant. We had these really big windows that we would lift up um, and like bus tubs and things like that. And I said, oh, that's probably sounds about right. And it was, re you know, referred pain in the groin. Um, so I went to get the MRI and every, all of my tests were like on the, on Fridays. So I would have to wait the weekend to get results. And that was grueling, but no one, no one said anything in my MRI. I got a phone call saying that I needed a biopsy and I was like, oh dear, this doesn't sound good. So I still didn't know what was going on. They weren't really telling me much information until I went for my biopsy and my mom took me and I'll never forget that it was a very young doctor that came into the room and, and said, do you know you have a tumor? And I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, you have a tumor. It's about, you know, yay big, um, right by your bladder. And I, and he brought me in, I was in my gown and he brought me into like the radiology room so he could show me on the screen. And I was like, oh my God. And here I am just like stunned because no one had told me this. Mm. And um, and I don't know if, I don't know the reason why they didn't tell me it. I think maybe it was just so they didn't want me to be afraid or nervous or panicked about it. And so he said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a biopsy. We're going to go superficial and test a, a node from, um, superficial tissue. And if that tests abnormal, then we don't have to go any further because he didn't want to go way deep because he risked the chance of puncturing my bladder. Um, and so I said, all right. So he said, that's the best case. It tests abnormal. And he told me, he's like, it's most likely non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, super treatable, blah, blah, blah. Do the biopsy. Of course, the superficial comes back abnormal. They sent it to pathology. 
it turned out to be positive for um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I found out, I will never forget the day I was diagnosed on February 4th. I got the call from uh, my radiologist or the orthopedic surgeon who ordered the um, biopsy. And it was like at 5.30 in the afternoon and I was working in the restaurant and like pain still bad. Um, came home, had like an ice cream party, kind of had a few friends over. Um, and I met with my oncologist the next day and they walked in the room and were like, who are, what you're, what this, you have cancer. Um, and I had to go through a series of tests the following couple of weeks to make sure that I was fit for chemotherapy. Um, and they almost wanted to give me emer like emergency chemotherapy because I was in that much pain. And I was, I've never been one to take pain pills or really want to do, it takes a lot for me to take, you know, an ibuprofen or something like that. But I was on pain pills for this. It was that much pain. And I'll never forget sitting there for my first chemotherapy treatment. One, after everyone's looking at me, like, what are you doing in this? in this seat, like you're way too young to be dealing with this, et cetera. But here I am with a smile on my face. Like I've got this, I can do this, you know, bring it. Um, I was out of pain. The first treatment as I was dripping there, I had no more pain. I did not need to take any more pain pills. It was that responsive to chemotherapy and most non-Hodgkin's lymphomas are. So I had that going for me. And they said that the type that I had was super responsive to chemotherapy and I did the whole course of six rounds. Um, after three, they retested me with a scan and it was 90, I want to say 90, I think it was 93% gone after three treatments or my tumor had dissipated. And uh, yeah, by the end I was six months later. So July 16th, I was deemed cancer free. Wow. So here I am. And now 10 years later, I am still cancer free and I plan to go decades more cancer free. So yeah, that's a, I like that. That was a positive thought there. Yeah. And that's good that, you know, it, it, luckily it wasn't as, you know, I guess worse, right. It was able to, to kind of go uh, in those six months or whatever, which is good. What did you, um, what did you learn about your health then? Cause you said you weren't maybe as health. like, what were the big indicators for you? Like, wait a minute, this is, I need to be changing some things. Is there, is there a couple you'd share? Sure. So the first thing I learned um, and did was I added vegetables to my diet. I used to not eat vegetables only because this was my way of thinking that I lived by myself. I would buy like a bunch of um, broccoli, like a bunch, like not a bunch, but a bunch, like a stalk of broccoli. And it would sit in my fridge and then it would rot or I couldn't eat it as fast as I needed to. So I just didn't buy vegetables. Um, so that was the first thing that I learned how important vegetables are because of the antioxidants, all of the vitamins and nutrients that come with it. Um, secondly, I stopped soda. I was drinking at least like, I don't know, 16, 20 ounces of soda. I was working in a Mexican restaurant. So soda tasted really good with Mexican food. So I would always drink soda. I had soda in the fridge. I would have soda at events or social activities or whatever. So I learned the effects of sugar, soda, and there, and then I was learning, I wasn't drinking hardly any water um, because water was boring to me. I am like, why do I drink water? And I live in Arizona, which seems ridiculous, but the more I'm working with patients now, the more people don't really don't drink water because they don't know how important it is. 
So I learned the importance of how, why you need to drink water and how important it is for your health. Um, and thirdly, I cut out cow's milk. Um, I still eat occasional dairy like sour cream or um, ice cream and things like that that's made from um, cow's milk, but I don't drink cow's milk. And I used to get so mad at my mom when I would go to her house and she wouldn't have milk. I was like, where's the milk? Where's the milk? I need the milk. And I did a lot of research and learning about it through my journey. And that was one of the things, first things I cut out was cow's milk because of all the antibiotics and hormones that the cows are, are pumped with that are not meant for a human body to consume. And honestly, almond milk is delicious or cashew milk or any of the nut milks that are a substitute for cow's milk. And I know that they're way more healthier for me and less inflammatory too. So those are the three things I did right away. Um, and I still do nowadays. Like I have, I can't live without my water. Um, it's so funny. You say that I, I'm actually, it's so it's, the, the reason it's so funny is like literally the same, I probably, uh, I would say now it's gosh, probably seven years ago now. Um, now this was sparked by a variety of things, but you know, I watched the documentary forks over knives and mm-hmm. I was like, so that was one of the, one of the catalysts to many things, but I stopped drinking cow's milk and again, barely drink it. If at all, I have almond milk. Um, mm-hmm. and same thing. I stopped drinking soda. I used to like pound Mountain Dews, like they were going out of style, you know, back in the last decade. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, especially when I was in college and past, and then it was just like, started drinking water and it is amazing. Water tastes really good. Like when it's cold water, it tastes actually oh, tastes yeah. good. I don't know, you know, but so it's pretty cool that, yeah, that you kind of uncovered those, um, mm-hmm. where uh, again, pin the timeline for me when you're going through all the cancer um, uh, stuff, when did you discover that, okay, I want to get back to helping people with, whether it's from nutrition or health, just, I want to go down that path and, hey, I want to go back and um, go back to, you know, uh, become a doctor. Mm-hmm. Was that during the cancer period? Or was that a little bit, that was a little bit after how, and when, how far after? Oh, shoot. I would say probably three or four months after is when okay. I met she was actually a friend of a friend is how I met her. Um, and that's when she told me what she did and how she was a naturopathic okay. doctor and went to the school in Tempe, which was 10 minutes for me. Yeah. And um, then I was like, it just aligned with everything that I had been learning about health and wellness on my own um, through my diagnosis. Because up until that point, like I still had no idea about naturopathic medicine. Um, and people ask me a lot, they're like, well, would you have taken a more natural approach to your cancer treatment? Had you known going back? And I said, honestly, yes and no. Um, there's a time and a place for chemotherapy and blood cancers respond really well to chemotherapy. So I probably wouldn't have changed that, but I would have done a lot of alternative support and adjunctive care with supporting my immune system, um, providing my body with you know, things that I was lacking or whatever along the way to, to help my recovery process. Um, but I've done, I've since done lab work recently, um, 10 years, you know, cause I've had some side effects from the cancer. Like I have lymphedema in my right leg now. Um, so I have swelling in my entire right leg, um, due to the tumor that really just kind of, I guess, suppressed on some lymph nodes and now it's just permanent scar tissue there, which is causing strain on the the veins and arteries in my leg um it's painless but it's there um and oh my blood work my blood work actually like 
pretty good, but I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of IVs. I've done a lot of nutrition and, you know, supplementation on my own moving forward. So I've, I've bounced back quickly from the effects of chemotherapy and, you know, probably not treating my body all so well for 30 years prior to that. So, yeah. Well, so with obviously you met in this kind of serendipitous moment, met this person, they, you know, they gave you this jolt of, wait a minute, um, was the goal just to go back to the restaurant industry and kind of go down that path? Was that kind of your plan or did, did you, did did you have those thoughts of doing something different? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was kind of like burning inside you. Yeah. Well, I had a degree and I, I mean, I was using it because I was in management and you know, using a little bit of the business degree, but I I knew that I didn't want to be in the bar industry for the rest of my life. I knew I could do and be more, but I still hadn't figured out what it was. And I had toyed with the idea of going back to school, but I still didn't know what, what, what for, um, you know, I would, it was scary to me to go back to school because I would have to give up a good job. I have to give up freedom. Um, I would have to go back on a budget. Like I'd have to say no to things. And that was all new to me, but it wasn't until that diagnosis that really the light bulb went off. And, and now I'm a firm believer that life happens, you know, for you and not really to you. Um, and because of this, like I was able to find my purpose in life and find my passion. And now I can really help my patients, um, become the best versions of themselves. So they don't necessarily have to be fearful of getting cancer, any chronic disease for that, for that regard. So, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that fear for a second. I mean, going, cause yeah, leaving your job, going to school, <laughs> like, tell me about like, how, what was the self-talk? What was the, uh, you just came out of chemotherapy. Like how, how was your reaction in terms of like mentally of, of this going to be happening to you? Like talk me through that. Cause I know one of the challenges a lot of folks have, I, I went through this for a while. It's like the fear of the unknown and like, ah, and, you know, should I make that change? And you almost like, you'd rather be in the, as I kind of call it, like you'd rather sit in the semi-happy comfort zone and bracing out into the kind of the wilderness, even though it may be uncomfortable for a little while to get to a better spot. So what was it for you? How did you, how did you come over that? Exactly that. It was like, well, I could sit here and be comfortable in my job with a, with, you know, a steady paycheck um, and doing, you know, living great without a budget. I could, you know, go on trips or, you know, really, um, spend my money however I wanted to, because I had that luxury and I was very fortunate. Um, but I knew, like, I still knew I could be more. And to do that, I had to get out of my comfort zone. And that feeling was terrifying. But throughout these years, like from there, then until now, like I'm continuing to do that. And knowing that if you're fearful of something, that's usually a good sign that you should be doing it. And the minute I told my family that I was going to go back to school, they literally looked at me like, what? are you crazy? So I had to get that out of my head. Like, well, I know they support me, but they still have their doubts that I can't, that I can't do it. And so I had to prove to not only myself, but my own family and friends, like I can do this. Like, I know I can do this because it's what I want to do. And a lot of it was that I experienced, you know, a good portion of my life from graduating college the first time and then living, living life and learning and learning about myself and learning about other people and having those connections and um, all of that before going back to school. So then I knew that this was, a, you know, my passion. I was, the, I was a nerd. I didn't even want to miss class where my friends were like ditching class because like, oh, I don't want to go. It's like, no, 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 I want to be in school. I want to learn. I had no trouble 
you know, saying I can't go to this party or I can't do this because I need to study. I need to spend time, you know, focusing on my future career here. So um, a lot of it was the passion that was driving me because I really wanted to do this. I knew that this was now my purpose and the reason why I'm doing all this. So it made it a lot easier to give up the things and to really let that fear go, even though it was scary, but that's how I'm looking at everything now. It's like, well, this is, even though it's scary, it's telling me I need to do it. And mm -hmm. that uncomfortable feeling is where growth happens. And it's just something that you have to power through and do. And it's, it feels amazing when you do it. Yeah. Is there anything else you learn in that time? Maybe it was in the restaurant and, and you know, business. Um, but you just said you hated school back in, you know, in, in your prior schooling. What changed to be like a nerd and say, I'm going to be in the books and I'm going to be like, besides the passion, because obviously that does get you through. But is there anything else that you, you think helped you kind of navigate that a little bit different than the prior time you're in school? Uh, probably, probably being able to have a few years of life experience under my belt um, because we're so you know, it's like you, your whole life, you're in school from the time you can remember until the time you graduate college, you're in school. That's all you know, is like, you go to school, you go to school, you go to school. Um, so to be able to graduate and then not really, I mean, I was working in the, in the business industry, but having some life experiences before I chose my second career, I think that really helped me because I grew up. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I worked on myself. I went to therapy. Um, and all of that because of, of what I went through. And I think that that helped me not only with the passion, but just the growth and the, um, maturity that I developed in that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting, you know, cause sometimes it's tough. I, you mentioned therapy for a second. How important was that for you? You know, sometimes I know sometimes it's taboo to talk about. A lot of people don't want to talk about hey, oh, yeah. therapy, but like how important was that for you? And, and maybe what have you got out of it? So important. Um, and I didn't think that I needed therapy. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat as me. They're like, I don't need to go see a therapist. I'm fine. I think everyone needs to see a therapist because there's a lot of things that we can self-discover to improve ourselves and the people around us through therapy. And a lot of it was suppressing the emotions that I went through with cancer. Like that was life altering. That was terrifying. Um, but I breezed through it. Like it went by so fast looking back, it was kind of like, well, that wasn't such a big deal, but it really was a big deal. I mean, I had something inside of me trying to kill me and I beat it and look at what I've done with that diagnosis now. Um, so I had to work through a lot of demons in my head and, and really process those emotions kind of like a, you know, PTSD type thing. It was like, well, you know, I need to sit with what I went through and, and how scary it was and, and how gratifying it was to beat it, to really move forward in my life. And I'm still working on it. I mean, there's, there's daily things that, you know, I still struggle with that I still have to work on. I mean, life is a, life is a journey and we're continually growing every single day. Now, if I read correctly, fact check me on this, did you, you branched out on your own recently, right? Mm -hmm. So there's another kind of step. Yep. Yeah, uh, and that after, is Dr. Ellis journey there. Um, right. Tell me about that a little bit. Why did you decide to go that route? Was that just because it seems like me if I'm piecing the story, that's kind of 
you know, maybe a little more independent like you are, you want to do your own thing, have that control. Is, is that mm-hmm. part of the reason you think you kind of said, hey, you know, I'm going to do this myself. I think I can probably set up my own shop and, and you know, maybe yeah. make a difference that way. For sure. A lot of, part of it was that. Um, and part of it was that fear and that like, I can do this, like that idea that was in my head. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good here. I'm good. I can't do that. It's too much work. No, I don't think I'm ready. Um, telling me, you know, making up all these stories in my head where I couldn't do it. And then I just did it. Like I took another leap and it is on, and this just happened in January. Like I went out on my own. So it's only been six months now and it was the best decision I've made because it's, it's really helped me to know that I, I can do this. And again, like more growth because I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and two, I'm being, I'm able to spread naturopathic medicine and the beauty of our medicine to more people because I'm out um, in the East Valley in Arizona and there's not a lot of naturopaths in this area. So um, to be able to educate and teach people the things that I didn't know um, is gratifying and to be able to give patients hope that their symptoms um, really are valid and they, there is something wrong with them and it's not normal. Um, that's you know more reason why what I did and taking that additional leap it is worth it. Did you rip the bandaid off and just leave and start it? Or did you kind of transition slowly? Were you building up a little of your, your own business prior to leaving the role you're at? Yep. So I did do a lot of things like prep work, um, you know, with getting my LLC and setting that all up. But um, I had already given my notice at my other job without even having like a space to in here in the East Valley, which was my new office is about 45 minutes from my other office. Um, so I, I knew that I wasn't going to have all my ducks in a row, but my old mentality was like, I have to have all the ducks in a row. And through my journey in the last year and a half, it's like, I, I can take imperfect action and I may mess up and I may fall on my face, but I'm going to learn from that and I'll pick myself up and move forward. So that was like, just do it, Aaron. Just, just do it. You're going to learn as you go. You may make mistakes. And I'm still learning. Like, I'm still like, Oh my God, right, right now I'm trying to keep my head above water. I'm, I'm swamped. So I'm ready. I'm about ready to bring on an intern, um, to help me with, you know, some of the business aspects and things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning as I go. What's been the biggest lesson then the first, uh, six months or so on your own biggest thing you've learned, like you would have done different maybe. To learn that I shouldn't be doing this on my own. Um, like that's that's one of my mentors, Lindsay Schwartz, who connected us, is like, you're not meant to do this alone. Um, so I have, I mean, I have plenty of mentors helping me, um, but like I need help. Um, so bringing on this intern is something that I'm like, okay, this is, why didn't I think of this like first off? It's like, I could have, you know, taught her while I'm teaching myself. Um, so yeah, that's one of the main things. Like you're not meant to do this alone, like running a business, especially a medical practice by yourself when you're doing the back end and the front end and being a physician, it's a lot. Yeah. Let's talk a little about, you talk about mentors. Let's talk about support systems a little bit. Obviously you mentioned Lindsay powerhouse women. She's been on the podcast before, um, all the way back. Um, how important is support the support systems or having supportive people around you been for you to make these decisions and get over the fear? Oh, so helpful, but I'm not sure entirely. It could just be due to my personality. I'm an Enneagram six. 
So we like that support aspect okay. um, and we like that guidance and um, help along the way. So, and the reassurance that you are, you know, on the right track, but having people from the outside world that not, aren't necessarily in my community, like granted, I have tons of colleagues that I help with cases and things, but then having the, the business aspect outside of my community, like Lindsay, looking from the outside in is so helpful because there's a lot of things that as a physician, you think are common sense, or you think that the person walking down the road may know, but they don't. So putting it in those, in that context and having that pointed out to me, it's like, oh, well here, I've just got content for days now. Like I don't need, really need to talk a whole lot of medical things. Like I can talk basic stuff. Like what is it like to come see me? So, you know, things that I, I, I take for granted that I think people would know. Um, but yeah, having that outside support is so helpful. And do you find that in, cause you mentioned a couple of people, you know, obviously that person randomly you came across, right. The, uh -huh. uh, that maybe got you in this path, but then your therapist probably is a, from a support, you, mm -hmm. you talk about Lindsay and that group. H have you tried to seek out different folks and kind of taste mm -hmm. and test like, Hey, would they be good? It, has it been more serendipitous, you know, kind of in terms of uncovering people? How, how have you got, come to find your support systems outside of family, obviously? Right. So a lot of it is, kind of not really trial and error. Like I haven't fired anyone or said, no, I don't want you in my, in my life, but I lean on people more than others. Um, there's a community called ND community, which I'm part of. And the leader behind it has her, she's a doctor as well. She has her PhD in business and marketing. So, but she runs a community full of NDs. So I have her from the business aspect, but then I have, you know, all these colleagues on all different levels of practice doing, you know, this and that and having, you know, one year of experience to 20 years of experience yeah. like them as mentors too, who have helped guided me and I can run things by them as I'm, you know, rechanging some business models and things like that to say like, what have you, what have you learned by doing your, your own business that I should know, or what would you not do? Or what should I do? Or what am I doing wrong? Or do you think this is okay? Um, so having that in, for, for people that I don't really know, but know the profession and been in the profession to my own colleagues that know me and know the case diagnoses to having the outside business mentors that they know business, yep. but they know nothing about naturopathic medicine. So having like that team is amazing. Just like I recommend everyone have a team of doctors for their healthcare. It's kind of the same thing. It's like I have, you know, a team of business professionals all kind of in their own little niches. So it's, it works out wonderfully. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, we see, you see this a lot. I mean, the best, you know, probably analogy, right. Is athletes, right. You know, mm -hmm. you look 30 years ago and you maybe had your coach, right. Now it's like they have 15 different, you know, whether it's physicians or, you know, uh, masseuse, you know, masseuses or who, you know, all these people around them, personal trainers. Right. And, and I think, yeah, individually, we all need those type of folks to pull on and, and kind of mm -hmm. ask and, and, you know, say, Hey, where, you know, where can you help me here and, and vice versa. Right. Um, Cause you right. probably are like that to other people as well. So I think that's really important. Um, kind of that learning aspect, always, always being that beginner learner. I'm a, I'm such mm -hmm. a fan of is like, what, what don't I know? How can I learn from other people to get better? And ultimately, you know, that's going to make the world a difference. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that on, on the, I have to ask about the nutrition because that's a big part yeah. of, of my life. So let's dive into that a little bit mm -hmm. uh, because I know there's a lot of people and, and frankly, 
the pandemic probably has scared the hell out of a lot of people, right? Um, yep. In terms of getting started with a better, um, a better not only mindset um, mm -hmm. on nutrition, but a better practice of it. So what are some things right out of the gate you should be asking yourself, just any human being should be asking themselves right now about their, their health and nutrition? Gosh, that's, well, the first thing I would say is if you don't know where to start, you have to just start. And my best top recommendation would be to start with reading labels. Um, that was the first thing I did. And, you know, you see something on the shelf and you're like, oh, that looks good. And then you look, and I, and even something healthy or you think is healthy, I flip it around and look at the label and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible for me. Um, and the reason it's terrible is because it has so much sugar in it or the first ingredient, it says no sugar, but it's some fake sugar. Um, or it's got 18 different ingredients in it and 17 out of 18 of those I can't pronounce. Um, or it's got a crazy amount of fat in it. It's all bad fat. So that's the first thing you can do is just, is literally just be more aware of what you're putting in your body. And by doing that, even if you don't know what to eat, you can start by reading labels. That's the best advice. And if you don't know what an ingredient is, we all have a cell phone, look it up, Google it. And if it's like, you're like, ew, put it back on the shelf. You don't want to put that in your body because food is medicine. You are what you eat mm -hmm. and it's a direct reflection of your health. And I think that's becoming more apparent now more than ever because of our current pandemic situation, just like you said. So that's the first recommendation is, is really just read labels. It's the easiest thing you can do. Well, and I don't, I think the, the problem, and, you know, kind of hearing this now is, is people not, not enough, you know, especially officials and leaders are talking about the immune system, how important that is mm -hmm. to beating this. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and obviously we're in, you know, there's a lot of obviously health issues around the U S in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you brought up some great points earlier. I mean, it, it seems, you know, to me, it always has seemed at least cause I've done a lot of deep research over the last seven ish years. It's really around, you know, taking stuff away instead of adding stuff, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, like you mentioned, let's take away soda. Let's mm -hmm. take away, we don't need to eat, you know, barrels of ice cream every night. We don't need to, you know, like, let's start taking away some stuff out of our diets that we know are bad for us, but yet for some reason we continue. Is it, is that a lot of the coaching that you're giving to the clients that you work with is, is really just kind of, you talk about looking at the labels, but really around like, I don't want to say get more boring with your foods. I think you can still have very like, you know, flavorful food and stuff, but like being able to actually take away a lot of the, the junk that they probably know is junk. They're just not even considering it, you know? I don't know if that yeah. And I think it's, you can either take it away or you can replace it. So I work a lot with replacing. So if you're going to have, you know, say a white potato, a huge starchy, starchy white potato, try replacing that with the sweet potato because it has so many vitamins and nutrients and antioxidants in it. Mm -hmm. So if you still need that carby potato, replace it with that. Um, if you're eating a whole bunch of, um, like your breakfast consists of oatmeal and cow's milk in the morning or like whatever, um, add some berries to your oatmeal, replace the milk with an almond milk. Um, you're still eating the same foods, but you're replacing them with healthier alternatives. Um, or if you have, you know, only a little bit of vegetables on your plate or none at all, let's add some vegetables and reduce the amount of rice, things like that. 
um, baby steps. I'm all about baby steps because if you start something 180 and do a complete, you know, overhaul and just say, all right, tomorrow I'm going to not eat whatever, you're probably going to set yourself up for failure. So if you do small little increments over time, it becomes a healthy lifestyle and you don't even think twice about it anymore. Do you find, is there any, um, and I don't know if it's, if, if I think it's probably person by, her, by person, but in terms of the amount of times you should eat per day, you know, you hear this come up, hey, do you eat three times a day, six times a day, all that, you know, like, mm-hmm. is there, does that matter at all? Are you finding or? Yes and no. It, it depends. It honestly really depends. It depends on your blood sugar. You know, what health status are you coming to me with? Um, are you not eating enough? That's a lot. A lot of patients come to me because we have this narrative in our head that the less we eat, the more we're going to lose. And that is absolutely false. We actually need to eat more to lose weight because our metabolism is tanked. Our body starts hanging on to this food because you're starving it. Then it stores it as fat. Um, so it depends. I do a lot of intermittent fasting with my patients. Um, I still think three healthy, well-balanced meals minimum. Um, some days you may only get two and like a snack if you're doing some fasting, but honestly, that's the beauty of naturopathic medicine is that no two patients are alike. I can't, I mean, if you look through every single one of my treatment protocols, you wouldn't find one that is identical to the other because every single person is different and their healthcare treatment plan is different. They may have, you know, the same diagnoses, but the way I treat them is different because of where they're starting at. So it's hard to really answer that. Like, Oh, you need to have five meals a day. Um, but I think, but that, but that is the answer is that everyone's different, right? Yeah. So you can't just read, you know, something online and be like, Oh, that's the route I'm going. Like you have and to, that's what people are doing. And I, right. and they come to me and they're like, it's, this isn't working. I said, well, how did you hear about it? Who told you to do this? And they're like, "Uh, I read it on the internet or I saw it on Facebook (laughs) or something like that. And I said, well, it was probably good short term, but probably not anymore. So let's, you know, try something different. And here's what you're going to do. Well, and we talked about, you know, the support systems, the right team. I think sometimes we have that confirmation bias, the world where, okay, I'm just going to, the people that I listen to on Facebook, I'm just going to, oh, they said to do this little, you know, hack diet or instead of like going to an actual trained professional that knows about this stuff. So I think now that's an encouragement I always make to people is like, go seek out the wisdom of others to make your life better. Right. And there's folks like you out there that are obviously sharing that. Um, what would I, I, this is a kind of interesting question. I, I'm, I'm curious actually how you would answer it. What would, if someone came to you, what would they be surprised to learn? Like, let's say it's someone that's average health, but let's say they have a few health issues. Maybe it's a little, they're a little overweight. They don't really know where to start. What would they be surprised to hear out of your mouth? Like, wait a minute, I got to do that. I'm more curious of, of maybe stuff I don't even know. That's like an interesting, you know, thought from a nutrition Gosh. side. Um, trying to think what's come up lately a lot of it is that you should be pooping every single day I know this sounds weird but lately in my practice my patients are not pooping they're going three four five six seven days without pooping oh wow like that's not normal that's not okay and why is Uh, that not happening well one they're probably eating not right they're not getting enough fiber in their diet or they're severely dehydrated um but they'll tell me that they're drinking a ton of water. And I said, well, define ton. What is a ton to you? Yeah. 
So, and then I'm like, that's not, that's not enough water, especially here in Arizona. Um, so a lot of people are shocked by that because that is normal for them. And that's another thing that comes up. I always have to ask, I said, well, is that normal for you? And then they say, yes. And I said, okay, well, just so you know, for a healthy individual, that is not normal. And they didn't know that because that has been normal for them for years. Mm. So that is, that is, that is surprising and interesting. That was, that's a good answer. What, um, Oh gosh, I had a, such a, I have a, sorry, I probably threw you off with poop. No, that was, I was thinking <laughs> I had some, uh, a question on, well, I, I, let's, I it actually, I, I just remembered it as around water consumption. Mm-hmm. So what is the, what, what should someone, you know, I, I carry like this thing around. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I hope I drink a few of these a day, but you know, I work out a lot and stuff. So I, I how, how much should I drink as an example? If I'm a, if I'm trying to be active, I try to work out every day. What's the normal ounces in water? So the good rule of thumb is at least half your body weight in ounces. But if you're active, sweating, you know, you're working out every day, you need more. 80% of your brain is water. So a lot, I just had this the other day, a patient was like, I am tired. My brain isn't working. I can't remember things. And sure enough, she's like, she literally told me she's not drinking water, like none. And she was embarrassed to admit it. And I said, honestly, that could be the root of all of your problems is start by drinking water. And so I taught her fun ways to drink it. I'm like, add some berries to your water, Um, add some fruit to your water, put it by your nightstand. Like there's a couple different apps that you can use. One of my favorite ones, it sounds silly. It's called Plant Nanny. Like it's an app where you water a plant and you want to keep it alive. And it reminds you to water your plant or it's going to die. So therefore you drink more water. Um, so fun things like that, like make water fun. Um, but yeah, at least half your body weight in ounces wow. is a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I probably don't drink as much as I need to. Uh, and I, it's tough too on, on some days. And that's why it's like, it's almost like I get, I need to count up how mm-hmm. much is in here and just kind of go through that math almost. So yeah. what was the name of that app again? It's called plant nanny, plant like nanny. a babysitter nanny. Okay. To check that out, I don't have any. Plans, There's another one too, and I can't remember it, but that <laughs> one's the one that comes off the top of my head. What else are you from a nutrition side? Anything else you're thinking about now, or you know, kind of as the especially as the world's in this interesting mm-hmm. point? Anything that's you've been talking with your patients that's come up more and more? Yep, eating more plants um, and vegetables is huge because of the nutrients in it. Where you know most people lead towards more um, complex carbohydrates. You know, the breads, the pastas and not enough vegetables. Um, so eating more plants is huge. And then also making sure you're getting fat at every meal. I know fat seems to have this bad rap. It's like, well, I don't want to eat fat because I don't want to get fat, but there's a difference between bad fats and good fats. And HDL, one of our cholesterol markers is our good fats. Like we need a, a high HDL to balance our cholesterol. We make our hormones from cholesterol and we need fats to do that. Our brain needs fats. Um, So that's a big thing that I've been working a lot with patients is getting more vegetables in their diet, eating more plants and getting, making sure they're eating enough fat in their diet. Are you fine with frozen vegetables? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you can't buy fresh frozen, I mean, I had a smoothie earlier with fresh or frozen berries in it. Well, that's one thing. And this this has come up before with, with other folks. And I, cause I've been probably using frozen vegetables for the last few years. Cause that was always my thing early on. I was like, oh, I got to buy them. And then they get bad after a few days. Mm-hmm. And 
then I realized, oh, I think you could probably do frozen stuff with some research. That's why I was just confirming like, one, I'm on the right track, but for people to hear, like, you don't have to always buy the, the fresh. Cause actually if I, if my research is correct, like the frozen actually sometimes is better because they freeze it right after it's actually grown and picked versus sometimes at the supermarket, it's been on planes. It's been on, you know, it, it, it's been through a variety of different, you know, supply chains right. and then it finally gets to your grocery store. So the nutrition level may actually has gone down again. That's doing some research. I haven't done yeah. extensive levels, but I think it's some logic behind there, but well, frozen's better than not eating them at all. True. So, I mean, fresh is bet fresh is first frozen second. And then I would say canned is third. Okay, cool. Um, let me ask you this. So this is really good, by the way, I could probably talk for hours, just random stuff around nutrition or whatever. Um, let me ask you this though, about going back. I want you to go back now and circle back story-wise to your, your youth, right? The, mm -hmm. uh, the, I was going to be a doctor. Um, and I, and I didn't do that off the bat. And now you've obviously later in life, you did. What would you go back and tell your, let's say 18 year old self? Um, the caveat here is you only have a post-it note to write on. What would you, what advice would you give them to help them on a new course in life? Well, I've written this post-it note and it says, trust myself. You have to trust yourself. Um, if that's what you're supposed to do. And, and that's not even about your gut feeling. It's, it's knowing your body. And if something isn't right, seek help. Don't ignore the symptoms. Trust yourself that something's wrong or trust yourself that this is what you're supposed to do. Trust yourself that you know the answer. Um, even if you doubt yourself because self-doubt is huge, but you have to trust yourself. And I think that's what I would tell my young self. Trust yourself. Did it take you a while to get to the, that oh, point yeah. of trusting yourself? Oh yeah, yep. When do you think, do you, th well, A, do you think you got to that point? And if you have, when do you think you got there? Was there an event you remember or was it just consistent, you know, progress over time? Or Yeah. I mean, it started with my cancer journey. I'm like, something's not right. And people were telling me like, oh, it's probably nothing. I'm like, something's not right. Like, I know my body. I'm trusting this. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I want things to be okay, but something's not right. I want to know what's wrong. Um, and I wasn't going to brush it off. And that's another thing. Like, don't stop until you get the answer that you deserve. And a lot of patients of mine come, you know, go to other doctors and they don't get an answer. And they're like, but I don't feel right. And they're like, oh, you're normal. That's just because you're stressed or you're just a busy mom. Like they're like, but I don't feel right. So keep finding, an, finding a doctor, find that answer because you know your body best. You have to trust yourself. And there still are times where I, self, I have self-doubt. I think we're, it's all there. It's gonna always be there. But I sit with it and I'm like, why am I downing myself? Like, I know the answer to this. I know what I need to do. So I just need to trust myself. And your gut, your heart, it doesn't lie. It's going to steer you in the right direction. Dr. Aaron, this has been a pleasure. Um, I know we, we jumped around a lot of different stuff, so yep. uh, which is always fun to do. So I appreciate coming on, sharing a little bit of, uh, of your journey and some of the stuff you're doing today. Where can everyone connect with you online? Where's the best way? Well, I'm pretty active on social media. Um, my Instagram handle is dr.aaronellis. Uh, Facebook is the same. I have a free Facebook group that you can join. It's called East Valley Natural Wellness, um, but anyone can join if you don't live in the East Valley. 
and um, my website is drerinellis.com. So you can find all that information there too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Pleasure to have you and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And if this is your first time stopping by the podcast, grateful to have you. Thanks for coming by and hope to have you on the next one. If you are getting some value out of these podcasts, please head over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. I certainly would appreciate it. Um, Actually, you might be listening to this on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to my show and scroll to the bottom and you'll see where you can leave a rating and review. As always, I love to connect with folks online. If you want to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, drop me a line there. Or on Instagram and Twitter, at brianondraco. Or LinkedIn, just search my name and we can connect further that way. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.